The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over! Series over! 27 up! And 27 down for Teasley. The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions. Patriots win another Atlantic League title. Warning track wall. Good. Home run for Corey Aldridge. His third blast of the game. It's a walk-off grand slam. It is gone. Ball game over. Series over. And Patriots are the 2008 Atlantic League champions. On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. On this week's episode, we wrap up all things revolving around the completion of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. We'll discuss the last week of action, the Patriots' seven straight wins to close out the series and win the Joe Torre Championship Trophy, our takeaways from what the New Jersey Blasters brought to the table, reactions to the winners of both the Willie Randolph MVP Award and the Sparky Lyle Pitching Award, and more. Plus, I'll give a bit of a primer to what fans can expect in what is certainly going to be an unorthodox but exciting offseason leading into 2021. And our guest today will be Somerset Patriots Director of Baseball Operations slash Pitching Coach and New Jersey Blasters Manager John Hunton. John will be on to discuss his experiences putting together the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, his time managing the Blasters, and what his main takeaways are really from the last couple of months. But before we get into all of that, one major housekeeping note uh, that I did want to bring to everyone's attention. Today's episode is our final episode of the Something Patriots podcast, at least for the next couple of months. Uh, We originally imagined this podcast series in a partnership with 1450 WCTC to provide radio content uh, over the stretch of what normally would have been the Patriots regular season. Um, Of course, without the normal slate of Atlantic League games, uh, we wanted to make sure that we were still, at the very least, providing weekly radio content uh, and updates on what we had going on here in Somerset. Uh, Now that the Somerset Professional Baseball Series has concluded, and we are about to head into September, uh, we figured now was a good time uh, to really press the pause button on this podcast. Uh, But that being said, this is certainly not the end of the podcast, quite on the contrary, in fact. Uh, We will still have podcast episodes throughout the upcoming offseason. So consider that this episode is just the end of season one of the pod. Really, that's the best way to look at it. Um, Our plan right now is to come back with new episodes at key points during the offseason whenever big news breaks. And trust us, uh, there will be some big news. Uh, So when the times arise, 
uh, where we feel a podcast makes sense to better discuss what is going on with the team, our community, and, and the league at large, um, we will turn on the mics and we will record uh, a new episode. In the meantime, of course, the team will be pushing out content every day to keep our fans informed on the latest with the Patriots. Uh, we will also be bringing back our Facebook Live series, Patriots Check-In. Uh, that begins next week. Uh, so there will still be new interactive interviews uh, with members of the team and our community each week moving forward as well. Um, but all right, en- enough of the housekeeping notes. Uh, let's get into some of the news. What's going on, fans? We're back! Okay, for the third straight episode, I do want to start with some Brandon Liebrandt news. Uh, Reason today is that Liebrandt officially made his Major League debut last Sunday for the Miami Marlins in a long relief role against the Washington Nationals. Uh, Now, Liebrandt tossed four shutout innings of relief that day, uh, scattering just one hit and one walk while freezing Nationals star Juan Soto for his first Major League Baseball strikeout. Uh, The appearance came on August 23rd, which was exactly 22 days after his last appearance in a New Jersey Blasters uniform in Bridgewater, uh, which is just incredible. Uh, It took him 22 days to go from Bridgewater to the majors. Think about that for a second. Just a touch over three weeks ago, Liebrandt was pitching on a team that was actually created in July, and then he goes to striking out one of the best hitters on the planet in a Major League Baseball game. All of us here in Somerset, I think, have officially become a huge Brandon Liebrandt fans for life, uh, and we'll continue to follow his progression, uh, hopefully towards a very successful and very long Major League Baseball career. Uh, now on to the Somerset Professional Baseball Series notes. Um, we've made it. <laughs> uh, after months of planning, And a lot of question marks entering play. Uh, The SPBS has officially come and gone uh, with little to no hiccups. Uh, I think all of us in the front office were not exactly sure how this was going to go, uh, but all of us were very hopeful that it would come out okay. And and I think personally, objectively, uh, the series can be viewed as a huge success. I, I mean, there were a lot of forces at play that in all likelihood, very well could have prevented baseball at TD Bank Ballpark this year. Uh, But that, fortunately, uh, and through a lot of hard work, wound up not being the case. 13 games spread across six weeks. All competitive games, all sellouts, and most importantly, everyone's maintained health and safety. Uh, That's probably the biggest takeaway from all this, that we were able to get a baseball season in uh, without any COVID-19 flare-ups, and provide a safe and comfortable environment for fans in the area to enjoy the distraction of professional baseball in person. So I did want to take a quick moment to allow the entire Somerset Patriots front office, uh, from the Califer family to President-slash-General Manager Patrick McVeary, uh, Director of Baseball Operations John Hunton, and every single person in the Patriots uh, front office, I wanted to give them a chance to pat themselves on the back. This was not easy to pull off. Uh, but they all found a way to make it work. Uh, and the reviews that we have all received uh, have all been uh, nearly positive, uh, which has been great to see. Uh, but okay, um, enough of that. Now let's get on to the actual baseball that was played on the field here, not only over the last week, but over the last six weeks. Uh, so the Patriots wrapped up the series with 
Seven straight wins over the New Jersey Blasters. Uh, honestly, this was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, the whole tides of the series seemed to turn really going into week three. Uh, yes, the Blasters did sweep that weekend, uh, but that is when the Patriots brought in Shane Fontana and Connor Justice to bolster their lineup. Uh, the Blasters' two wins that weekend, so week three, uh, they were carried by strong starting pitching performances from Vin Mazzaro and Brandon Liebrandt. Uh, but the combination of Fontana and Justice did go 4-for-11 uh, with two doubles, two stolen bases, and an RBI um, that weekend. So the stage wa- was really set at that point. Uh, and after Week 3 wrapped up, Lee Brand's contract was purchased by the Marlins, uh, and everything really changed. Not only had the Patriots made moves to bolster their lineup, but the Blasters had lost arguably the top pitcher in the league. On top of that, No moves were really made to bolster the Blasters, at least initially. Eventually, Alex Katz was brought in, uh, but initially mainly because his contract was purchased the day before week four began, and there was really no time uh, to bring in an additional arm that was already COVID tested. Uh, But at that point, the Blasters had really been depending on their pitching uh, to lead them for most of the way. Lee Brandt had a 0.75 ERA through three weeks. Mazzaro had a 2.25 ERA over the first three weeks. Um, and they were only going to get extended further into games moving forward. Uh, and the Blasters had a strong combination of Ryan Williamson and Vin Aiello at the back end of their bullpen as well. Now that, plus a lineup that at the time was really taking advantage of opportunities, especially early in games. And the Blasters were leading the series four games to two. But once Lee Brandt left... Uh, The Blasters had to tap into Alex Vargas to be a spot starter, uh, which limited their bullpen. Uh, Vargas struggled to fill Lebrand's shoes, and the lack of depth really in the bullpen tied John Hunton's hands up a bit, and and the team subsequently suffered. Uh, They did hold a 3-1 lead heading into the bottom of the sixth inning in Game 7, so the beginning of Week 4, but that night Sean Kaselica allowed three runs in that bottom of the sixth inning, which at the time put the Patriots in front, and it wound up being putting them in front for good. Uh, Somerset won that ball game, and that win kickstarted a seven-game win streak for the Patriots to end the season. Uh, it's easy to say now, uh, but had Lee Brand's contract not been purchased, Ryan Williamson likely would have come on in that spot instead of Sean Kaselica, uh, because Williamson needed to eat innings the next night with Vargas scheduled to be the starting pitcher, so he wasn't available for that Game 7. And at that point, Williamson had also been lights out out of the bullpen. Uh, So if he bridges the gap that night, uh, the Blasters likely win the game. And if they get that win, uh, then they are leading the series five games to two, and they really only need to win uh, two more games um, out of their next six. Again, a hypothetical, uh, but it could have been a completely different series. Uh, but let's not cut out any of the props needed for the Patriots as well. Uh, the team had to win five of their last seven to take home the Joe Torre champion tro- trophy, uh, and they wound up winning each of their last seven games. Mark Leiter Jr. was dominant from the beginning of the series, uh, limiting just a couple of shaky innings he had here and there. Uh, the bullpen was locked down for most of the series as well, especially James Puglis on the back end, uh, and we'll get to him in a bit later. Uh, And and the lineup really started to produce over the final half of the series as well. Uh, We already mentioned the role that Fontana and Justice played in turning around the bats, but Dan Valerio was consistent throughout the entire series. Jordan Jackson had two hits, two runs scored, and two RBI over the final two weeks. Uh, And production at the top of the order 
from the former Patriots, Scott Kelly and Justin Pacioli, uh, really turned around as well. I mean, in just that last week alone, Kelly and Pacioli combined to go 10 for 19 from the plate uh, with five runs scored and six runs batted in. That is a huge difference in production at the top of the order uh, that completely changes the game. I mean, it's no surprise with those two producing at the top of the Somerset lineup um, that Somerset had two of their best games offensively over the final four games of the series uh, that really put everything away for them. So congratulations to the Patriots uh, for, who wound up winning this series nine games to four over the 13 games played. Um, as for the awards that were handed out, both are certainly deserving. Uh, Martin Figueroa was the leader in the clubhouse for the Willie Randolph MVP award uh, really ever since his monster week two. And, and that production just continued throughout the entire series, really. Uh, he had high expectations going into it, uh, but he met each one of them a 324 batting average. He led the series with 11 hits, seven runs, four doubles, six RBI. Uh, he also had a 425 on base percentage. And even though the Blasters did not win the series, Figueroa, in my opinion, was consistently the top bat between the two teams um, throughout its entirety, and certainly a deserving MVP. Uh, if the series were extended for another couple of weeks, I would have been interested to see what Shane Fontana, Justin Pacioli, and Scott Kelly might have done uh, to build on their strong finish, because all three of those guys finished very strong. Uh, but Figgy made sense for the award, certainly at this time. Uh, James Puglis also made sense for the Sparky Lyle Award. Uh, he had been climbing in our power rankings over the last couple of weeks and finished off the series strong with a pair of shutout innings and two saves in week six. Um, Puglis appeared in seven of the overall 13 games played in the series. He went six for six in save opportunities, um, and he only allowed three base runners over eight innings of work uh, with 13 strikeouts. You could have Certainly made an argument for Mark Leiter Jr. Uh, Max Herman had a really strong series. Billy Lane Jr. as well. Uh, even Nate Rowe, who had four wins to lead the series. But if you're looking at overall contributions over the most games uh, and the highest level of contributions, in my opinion, it's really hard to argue against Puglis. So overall, a successful series with deserving award winners and great marks from the community. Uh, there is certainly a lot to be proud of uh, for the organization, for the players that were on the field, and also for all of the fans who continued to support this team, who came out for 13 straight sellouts, who followed all the games online. Uh, a big thank you to all of the fans who have followed along throughout all of this as well. So after the break, um, I'm going to dive a little bit more now into what this potential upcoming offseason will look like for the Patriots. And later in today's episode, I'll have my chat uh, with John Hunton. You no longer have to choose between an amazing network and an amazing price. When you switch to T-Mobile, you get both. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com to find out more. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, 
Let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Now it's time to look at what this upcoming offseason will look like. Uh, No doubt about it, these are odd times uh, to be a minor league baseball team. 2020 was, for lack of a better way of saying it, honestly a nightmare scenario uh, for pretty much all of minor league baseball. And the Patriots were no exception. Yes, the Patriots... Uh, were able to pull off the Somerset Professional Baseball Series and were only one of a handful of professional baseball teams to actually host live baseball with fans in attendance in the country, really. Um, But it was still a far-from-ideal situation. In fact, before the season began, the Somerset Patriots Chairman Emeritus Steve Califer outlined quite clearly that the team was not going to make money on this series and instead likely lose money. Um, Stack on top of that the massive loss in projected revenue uh, from what would have been a normal season, and 2020 uh, did not represent a big financial year uh, for the team. Uh, There have been some additional events that the team has hosted that have helped soften the blow a bit, um, from Somerset's popular summer movie series uh, to a number of private events at the ballpark as well. But all of that still does not quite add up Uh, to what the team otherwise would have made um, had all things been equal this year. Uh, So what does that mean? Um, Well, you can be rest assured that the team isn't going anywhere. Uh, I think it's important for that to say, uh, now more than ever, uh, the Patriots remain committed to bringing the Central Jersey community high-quality, affordable family entertainment. Uh, The team will be doing everything in their power uh, to make sure that baseball returns to Somerset in 2021, Uh, But it's also important to keep in mind uh, that there are some factors that are currently out of the team's control. Number one, and and it's the big one out there, it's COVID-19. If the current pandemic extends far into 2021 and there remains no approval from either it be local or national governments uh, to allow games with fans, uh, then it would be very difficult for us and really the Atlantic League as a whole, to host a normal season. Simply put, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of all of this, uh, we need the ability to have fans in the stands, to have a normal season, and to allow the teams to be profitable. Uh, the Patriots made it work in 2020 without fans, uh, but lost a lot of money in the process. Uh, that can't happen again in 2021. It just can't. Um, so... We are all obviously hoping for the pandemic to subside enough to allow for a normal season with fans in the stands, uh, but that is unfortunately out of the Patriots' control. And by the way, uh, this is true uh, for basically every single minor league team. 
uh, both from a money-losing standpoint and from a COVID-19 standpoint. Um, nobody made money this year, uh, and everyone is struggling uh, currently to bridge the gap to hopefully a return of fans and normalcy in 2021. So that's something that is out of the Patriots' control, out of everybody's control. Now, another big factor going into this offseason that we'll be following, uh, the new Major League Baseball-Minor League Baseball working partnership. Uh, For those of you who have not followed it too much, Major League Baseball and the governing body of Minor League Baseball are currently in the midst of negotiating a brand new working partnership uh, that'll reshape the entire landscape of professional baseball in North America. I don't have enough time right now uh, to get into all of the nooks and crannies of what's going into this, what it all means. Uh, But I would recommend giving Baseball America and their senior editor, J.J. Cooper, a follow and a read. Um, They've been all over this from the get-go. They have the latest information on these negotiations. They they outline what it means, what it could potentially look like for for a number of different leagues, not just minor league baseball, but independent leagues as well. Uh, So I would certainly recommend giving Baseball America and and J.J. Cooper a follow if you're on Twitter or a read. um, If you have some time, it's certainly worth it. Uh, On Somerset terms... Uh, There are a couple of things at play. Uh, Of course, the Patriots and the Atlantic League are keeping close tabs on these negotiations for a number of reasons. Uh, The Atlantic League made it known a couple of weeks ago that they are actively looking for new markets to bring into the league. Uh, They've already added one new one, which is Gastonia, North Carolina, uh, but they could add anywhere from one to three additional markets as well. Uh, And one of the first places that they'll look is to currently affiliated teams that lose their affiliation with Major League Baseball because of this upcoming new partnership. I mean, it's already been rumored that somewhere between like 40 or 42 teams could potentially lose their affiliation. Uh, So the league will look in that direction, uh, but that in of itself can be a pretty heavy subject. For starters, there would be a reason why a market would lose their affiliation. Uh, Likely, they'd be deemed to not have the right combination of Um, solid ownership, strong facilities, location, uh, to make sense for an affiliation. The thing is that all of those are also integral to the Atlantic League as well. And it feels like it's not fair to just assume that the Atlantic League would take on any team that was willing to come into it. Uh, It needs to be the right team. It needs to be the right market. Uh, It needs to have the right combination of ownership and facilities, things that major league organizations are looking for. uh, It has to be pretty much those same things for the Atlantic League as well. Uh, The league isn't going to set aside its standards. I mean, on top of all of that, uh, these teams would also need to have money to join the league and make the necessary changes to their facilities to get up to the Atlantic League standards. I mean, there is normally a franchise fee uh, to enter a new league that includes the Atlantic League. So after a nightmare 2020 on finances for all of these teams, especially some that are going to lose their affiliation, uh, how many of those teams are going to be able to make it work financially to come into this league with all the things that they would need to do? Uh, Maybe some of them get assistance from Major League Baseball with compensation Uh, to help them transition to another league. That's something that I've seen reported in a couple of different places. So that could certainly go a long way to help. Um, But if that's not the case, then things could really get dicey uh, for a lot of these teams. So I'm skeptical myself 
um, on a number of new teams joining the Atlantic League for 2021. Um, but of course, I could be wrong. I've been wrong many times. I will continue to be wrong. Um, in regards to its effect on Somerset, um, you know, we're not going to know the amount of teams in the league nor the schedule uh, for a while until all of this dust settles. And if you add to that the rumors that the Sugarland Skeeters uh, could become an affiliated team moving forward, I would imagine likely with the Houston Astros, but I don't really know, um, then that even further complicates an Atlantic League roster of franchises and a possible schedule. Now, there have been some similar rumors uh, regarding Somerset as well. And unfortunately for our listeners, I'm not at liberty to confirm or deny um, any validity to anything that's out there. Uh, all I can say is that there's a lot to figure out on a number of different fronts for not only just the Patriots, but for the Atlantic League, for affiliated minor league baseball and their governing organization, uh, for major league baseball, uh, for all the different independent leagues, the American Association, the Frontier League out there as well. Uh, there's a lot that everyone needs to figure out before any of us really have any idea of what baseball would look like in 2021. And if you add on top of all of that, when we go back to this lingering pandemic, uh, that complicates everyone's finances, uh, and, and this will be an off-season for everyone, really, like no other. Could I see a hypothetical setup in which some independent baseball markets are given a green light to host professional baseball with fans, but affiliated minor, but affiliated minor leagues are not given that go-ahead? Uh, because the parent clubs do not want to risk their own top minor league players? Sure, I could see that. I don't anticipate that happening, but I could see a scenario in which that could happen. Um, so under that hypothetical, a league like the Atlantic League, if the markets here were given the green light, um, similar to what happened in the American Association this year, um, would certainly uh, be positioned quite well moving forward. Uh, but at this point, there is still so much that we don't know and I understand that's frustrating. All of us wish that we had the answers to every single question, but there's just so much that's up in the air right now. Um, so these, you know, are going to be unorthodox times. There are going to be normal checkpoints in a normal offseason, uh, like a schedule release in mid-October and player signings being announced in mid-January uh, that likely won't happen like they have in other years. Pricing structures on individual season and group tickets might not be available immediately. Uh, sponsorship partnerships uh, might have to take on a different look. Uh, the amount of home games, and on that note, the opponents for the Patriots won't be confirmed for a bit as well. I mean, there will be so many questions every step of the way on all accounts moving through this offseason. Um, but what I can say is that the Patriots will still be here and will still be working to figure everything out uh, to the best of our ability to make sure that we can do our part to bring baseball back in 2021. After this break, we'll come back and have my conversation with Somerset Patriots Director of Baseball Operations, Pitching Coach, and the New Jersey Blasters Manager, Big John Hunton. Whatever this season brings, you'll be there for the Patriots, and TD Bank will be there for you. Bank 24-7, online, or on the TD app. Or talk to a human by phone anytime. TD Bank, unexpectedly human. Visit tdbank.com. TD Bank, America's most convenient bank. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. 
The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com always. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide healthcare services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz, and tonight we've got our first returnee to the podcast, the first guy to come on for two different episodes. It is the Somerset Patriots Director of Baseball Operations, their pitching coach, and of course, the New Jersey Blasters manager, John Hunton. How's it going, John? It's going good, Mark. How are you? I'm doing all right, all things considered. It's uh, it's pretty wild that the uh, that the Somerset Professional Baseball Series is now over. It, it literally feels like it just started weeks ago because it kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I guess before we dive into everything about this series, just what, what are your your first thoughts coming out of the series on on how it went and maybe some feedback that you heard from some of the players that that participated. Well, um, you know, for us to go, obviously, the the whole entire time, which is, you know, just six weeks uh, playing, it, it went great, you know, as far as what we expected. Um, I know I said maybe earlier to a lot of people or earlier on um, going into the season, I felt like, you know, it was going to be uh, better than what maybe people have assumed or expected it to be based on some of the, the roster guys, the guys on the roster um, being younger and stuff. But I, 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 knowing firsthand, I was with a lot of those guys for those early weeks prior to the season and working out with them and seeing it, I, I really felt good going into it and um and they made me look good because they were good and they did obviously have a lot of success and um it was it was a lot more evenly matched in the beginning when i when we uh started the season and then we lose uh lee brent who you know pretty much was in my mind being one of the better if not the best pitcher uh in the league um you know for pitcher of the year but we lose him and we don't win a game the rest of the time. And the funny thing is, is that he was our Saturday guy and we never really won on Saturdays. It was always the Fridays we were winning, um, which, you know, it is what it is. But no, I, as far as everything, you know, in a whole, like it was a, it was a great time. Everyone stayed safe. Um, everything, you know, was great as far as on the field with the fans. I know that, you know, the fans were very excited to have it. The fans were happy to have baseball. The fans were, as far as, uh, expectations go they were they were pleased i believe from from what i understand that um the, the talent level and the competition and then so that that was obviously a great thing uh and then also too from the from the player standpoint they they obviously were were extremely excited to be playing they were very thankful for what everything that we did as an organization to have this and um you know a lot of people would thank me after and and the last days or leading up to it, they they uh, they, they appreciated it and they, they kind of made sure that you know I knew as far as uh, you know I guess being a spokesman slash manager for one of the teams that 
uh, or slash the organization that you know they knew that we were they were appreciative of the opportunity and everything we did with having it. So you know, obviously it makes you feel good. It does you know kind of it, it is a little bittersweet you know with the season ending so quickly after it just started. Um, you know, I'd spoken to a couple people about it. It, it was weird because it's like the season was this, this year has been very long for what's been going on. But it was crazy how fast the season flew by. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, so it, it was, it was, it was, and we only played two games, which is the craziest thing because you know you think there's a lot of downtime in between. But uh, I, I guess with the schedule we had, where we, we played the two games and then we would kind of bounce back the next day to have COVID tests and also a workout, and then a couple of days later we would have another workout, and, and it pretty much seemed like you know I was going to the field every day, so. Um, it was definitely, it was definitely, I guess that took up a lot of time and made things go by quicker, but it was great. Overall, it was great. I had a great time. I enjoyed, uh, being around the guys. It was, it was a great opportunity for me to, to manage for the first time and kind of get my feet wet there. And, um, I wish we won some more games, especially, you know, towards the end, but, um, but either way, it was still an enjoyment to go to the field and be with the guys in the clubhouse and get to kind of learn, uh, from a different angle, um, as far as being a manager, but also as far as, being a teacher, um, I felt that with the younger guys we had, uh, especially my squad, we had more younger guys, I believe. I think we were on average younger um, as a whole. There was a little bit different feel than the normal Somerset season that we have or that I've had as a pitching coach. Um, don't get me wrong. I, there's players that help and ask ask me questions about things and my opinions, and, and they listen to them. And, but for, from this standpoint, it was different because – you know, I wasn't just getting like conversations with with pitchers. I, I was talking to hitters. To, you know, that was for me the I think the biggest thing that I really had to kind of learn from or learn about or kind of get a feel for was like, yeah, I, I know how to necessarily talk to pitchers against attacking hitters, but it wasn't really a thing for me to to kind of go out of my way or to kind of talk to hitters in a sense of what their approaches are or what maybe mechanics are or they're swinging or what they're trying to do certain counts or certain things so um the getting the feedback and learning from them as well as them learning from me was was you know something that i i i greatly appreciate and and, and respect and um I, i'm hoping that you know a lot of those guys uh you know listen to a lot of the things that i talked about but on the flip side, I want them to know too that like I, I listened and, and I was hearing things from them and their their thoughts and I pick a guy's brain here and there. I throw a kind of a zinger at him a question to see what he was <laughs> thinking or and it was things that kind of put a little different perspective for me or maybe gives me an idea of other things to think about other than maybe what I was thinking in certain situations. So um, definitely enjoyable, definitely appreciated it. Def- definitely had a great time. I uh, wish it was longer, but. Um, but it isn't. It's over. It is what it is. But you know, like I said, you know, I know. I think it went. I think it went extremely well, uh, and uh, I know that all the players were very appreciative. Well, I, you know, objectively, I've heard from a lot of fans about how much everyone enjoyed it. I know from a front office perspective, we all loved it. We all felt that it went really well. Uh, I do want to ask you about uh, one of the guys that you brought up towards the beginning of your answer, Brandon Liebrandt. Of course, that's been arguably one of the most exciting storylines I think to come out of this series. Uh, you know, a yeah. guy who pitched for, for your team, the Blasters, last time he appeared in game was August 1st, and then his contract gets purchased by the Marlins August 6th. He gets called up to the big leagues August 17th, and then on August 23rd, he is pitching in the major leagues. So 22 days after his last appearance in Bridgewater, he is on the mound for the Marlins. 
four scoreless innings of relief. He strikes out Juan Soto. Um, what, what can you say about Lee Brandt in his time with the Blasters, and, and how cool is it to just see a guy that you were managing, um, you know, just about three weeks later uh, appear in a major league game? Let's just say he, he very well should have been in the major leagues, I guess, a couple years back. Um, but unfortunately, he obviously you know, kind of got shut down. He had the surgery. Uh, but knowing what he came back from and battled back from and um, and meeting him and knowing kind of where his mindset was and, uh, you know, his goals and stuff, you know, I, I obviously knew we were getting a great pitcher, a great arm. Um, I remember looking him up the first time that I saw he signed uh, with High Point in our league. Uh, for the regular uh, Atlantic League season, and, and I remember seeing his numbers, and I'm like, damn, like, this guy's got really good numbers. Like, he's going to be hmm. solid if he can come back from this injury. And so um, just getting to talk to him and kind of giving him a you know feel for myself and kind of what we're about and, and what we're looking for here and what we're trying to do, like, he was all on board with it. And, um, you know, I had a good feeling about going into the season that I felt like, you know, we had a couple guys that were, were – guys that could have easily been picked up and I remember saying it too it's like there very well could be a guy that makes it to the big leagues from our league just because you know a guy gets uh, the right opportunity from from playing and being active and uh, obviously he had it would have a career uh, career experience behind that or, or his career with numbers would talk as well but to, to kind of meet him and see kind of what he's about and, and kind of how he went about his business um, you know I expected great things from him um, so it definitely is. It definitely is great for that to happen, and and for you know, uh, you know, they called us a Sandlot League on the big league <laughs> game, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I guess in a sense this is league put together, but they don't know really what we're about. But to see a guy come out of our league and and get to get an opportunity to play in the big league for the first time, it's just, I mean, it just goes without word, you know, it goes without words. It's it's really um, surreal in a sense of, um, you know, if if, if we literally dice it up and say, you know, what was the, the biggest thing that came out of us having our league? I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, as far as, you know, having the fans have something and, and the players an opportunity, yeah, that's 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 obviously what we're, we're looking for and what we're, what we're about with starting it and everything. But for this guy to make it to the major leagues, that he had never made it there before, and uh, could he have made it there, you know, next year or, or in the future? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he could have, but we just don't know that. So for you think about it, like, you know, who knows what could have happened in the future? Like this, this could have been, and nobody knows, like, like I said, because we can't predict it. But like, it very well could have been the only chance he got to the big leagues. And if it was, that's, that's a just it's, it's a remarkable story for it to happen. And I just like I said, he's a great guy, um, and everything he did and worked hard and. Um, he was a man of few words. He didn't you know, necessarily. He wasn't really loud and vocal. He just kind of went to, you know, went to. Uh, he went to work and did his did his business. Worked hard. Um, but you talked to him. He obviously had a good um, a good mindset as far as what what he was doing, trying to do as a pitcher, um, and what he was trying to do as far as like uh, the goals in mind and where he was trying to go. So I, I wish him the best. I know he pitched very well the first outing they had. I talked to him, um, you know, briefly before when I first found out. Um, you know, he was extremely thrilled and excited, which he should be. And we were all excited for him as well, too. So, you know, it's just a great thing to have to be able to, you know, have this, this six week season we put together and for something like that to kind of come out of it. It's just, it's great. So I, I got two last quick questions to ask you before, before I let you go. Um, the first one being, you know, there's a lot of, new names in this series that, that people had to learn both not, not just from a blasters perspective, 
but from a Patriots perspective as well. So if you can, just off the top of your head quickly, um, a couple of guys that jumped out to you as pleasant surprises um, that obviously you were high on everyone that came in. There's a reason why they got a, you know, they got the job, but a couple of guys that really stood out to you that, that sort of turned your head a bit in the series. With the, with the, I guess, with the mindset going into it for next year, like as a like, like a normal season, or just in general? Well, just in general, you don't have to make, make any promises about going into next year. I'm just saying, guys who you know who really impressed you, that stood out to you, um, you know, over the course of this series. Well, I gotta say, just to take, I gotta kind of scratch him out because going into it, I knew what the, I knew what I was expecting from him, and he and he, he kind of followed through on it. it was Figueroa, like Figgy. Yeah, of I knew I knew what I, was, I knew what I was getting out of him, so I can't say I wasn't expect that was a shocker. It was I knew I knew that we were getting a really solid player, um, you know, both defensively and the plate. But um, so you take him out of the equation, I guess. Man, there's a lot of them. In, in my sense, there's a lot of kind of bright spots uh, from both squads. I'm, I'm going to give you the answer for both squads. I'm not going to just narrow it to the black. Yeah, that works. Valerio, Valerio was one of them. Um, uh, definitely liked his, his play his style. You know. He's younger, but you know he very well held his own offensively. You can move him around kind of all over the field. I know he played a lot of first base for Brett, um, so he was another guy. He he was a guy that really kind of I don't want to say he you know he put, made a name for himself as far as like you know Somerset goes, but what I was expecting um, and going into it, like he he hit better than expected. Um, Definitely more consistent as well. So he was a guy for me and Brad, I believe, that when we spoke, you know, we were, we were really kind of, uh, I don't want to say high and get crazy, but, like, we definitely liked him and we thought he was a guy that could potentially be in a uniform for us at some point. Um, so definitely Valerio. Uh, I, I think Martini was another guy. Mm. Um, you know, he was a little bit he, – he, I always messed with him too. He was the second oldest guy in our clubhouse behind Mazzaro. <laughs> um, so I was kind of – you know, told him he was kind of, you know, older guy. Uh, and it, but, but in all honesty, like, you know, <laughs> he, he, in my, my feel for, for, for being around him and, and getting to know him, like, he seemed like he was more mature for his age than most. So he definitely was a little bit older than, than really, he acted a little bit older than, than, than really what his age, you know, shows. Um, he has experience playing. He's played professionally, I think, five or six seasons, you know, out in Pecos League or, or Pacific Association, and he hit well everywhere. Um, but as far as the, the leader, the type of, lead, type of leader he was, and, you know, always going to the workouts and always trying to get better and always very positive, very, very similar to, like, a positive Kelly attitude um, where it was just like, you know, you, you didn't really hear too many negatives out of him, if any. Um, yeah. I always said, hey, you're playing. And I moved him around too, but going into the season, I told him, I said, listen, there's going to be a night where you can play second, you can play left, you can play short, third. Well, and he's like, that's, that's fine. You tell me where. And, and every time I would tell him, hey, you're second, great. Or, or you're, you're short, awesome. You're leading off. You got it, man. Like everything I asked for him, I told him he was all on board with and always positive. So, um, so he was, he was another guy that not, not necessarily surprised us as far as the offensive side, but I think for me, from a, from a, leadership side from a clubhouse side like great guy like great guy in the clubhouse great leader a lot of these guys looked up to him um, a lot of these guys talked to him and he tried helping the guys working with them a yeah. lot so I, that was obviously a bright spot you know in a sense of um our success you know he was partly due to it because of his leadership and 
he played hard, man. He 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 he's running balls out. He's playing hard. He's playing all over the place. Like he wanted to win, and and he was trying to do the best he could every time. He never slacked off. So, um, you know, I respected that a lot. I think a lot of the players did as well, and and I'm sure even yeah. Brett and the other side did as well too. But yeah, I um, mean, we we had him on the podcast as well, and um, you know, he was he was a great conversation. Just seemed like a really good down to earth guy, and. You know, yeah. experience in the Pecos League and the Pacific Association. I mean, to spend the amount of time that he did in those leagues and to come through on the other side still trying to get better, you know, it, it speaks to the character because that's not an easy thing to do out there. No, no. No, and that just shows you kind of the kind of mindset and kind of personality. Is He's a grinder. Like, he, he's yeah. really grinded, and he's been grinding his whole career, and he loves the game, and he, he's always trying to get better at it. So that's, that was always, like I said, that was a – it was a good thing to have him, um, you know, in the clubhouse mm. and and uh, his positive attitude. So, you know, I definitely, I definitely, uh, I, I, drew, I drew notice to that. I saw kind of how that was right away. To wrap up our conversation, because I know I, I want to get you going, and I appreciate all the time that you've taken tonight. Um, I guess just parting thoughts. You were a Blasters manager, of course. You've been with the the, the Patriots now for such a long time, but I guess just to look at yourself for a second after you know you were able to put together this series, I mean, you were the architect for bringing the rosters in here um, and, and really coordinating pretty much everything that happened on the field. But, you know, from a managerial standpoint, because this is your first time as manager, wearing a Blasters uniform instead of a Patriots uniform, um, I guess just what what are your, your final takeaways from, from your overall experience putting together this series and then managing through it? Um, well, like I said, uh, like I said, obviously the, the the things that I learned from a manager standpoint was was you know things that are going to help me moving forward you know, as a pitching coach or, or in general uh, as a teacher or, or moving forward in my career. Um, there was definitely a lot a lot that I learned. A lot definitely a lot that I need to get better at and and maybe learn more about. Um, but it was definitely a good step in the right direction. Uh, it was a step in the right direction as far as learning that stuff goes. But the, I think the the most comfortable part about all of it was. I could say like, listen, we could have lost seven games. I'm not going to get fired, you know, in a sense. But like that, <laughs> that wasn't, you know. But it was like, it was like I got to learn and to still be with the organization that I love, um, and, and I'm so comfortable with to have this, the support system around me. That you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fail as a manager, and I'm gonna learn, and there's gonna be ups and downs. But to be able to kind of go into it um, with a good feel for for the guys and the roster, but also knowing like the support from from the front office and, uh, you know, from Brett and also from, uh, you know, the fans and stuff. Like, that was where – that definitely meant a lot to, to be able to do that. It was comfortable for me. I didn't feel like I was, you know, in a new place. I wasn't in a new place. You know, I was I was home, you know, for me. And so, yeah, I was on the other side. But but still, like, uh, that, that obviously, you know, that meant a lot. And that made things a little bit more comfortable and easier for me to kind of uh, overcome or learn or, or to kind of get through was – you know, if that was a regular season and I was the manager somewhere else for the first time and, and I don't mm. have that same, you know, I'm somewhere new, like, am I looking over my shoulder? I'm not saying necessarily right away after, uh, you know, 13 games, but, like, you know, that's what you got to think about and worry about. Um, so, um, and I wanted to win. I wasn't like, you know, I didn't care. I definitely wanted to win. And I wanted, <laughs> I wanted, so, so, you know, so it was definitely that was a, a positive thing. Um, the putting the Putting the guys together, it was, you know, it goes all towards the fact that they they told us from or told me and Brett from day one we we're going to have a league no matter what, um, as long as the governor didn't deny us playing. So, 
to know that it was, you know, not something that was up in the air. It was like a question mark, like, you know, talking with Brett and Pat and um, even with just, you know, Pat uh, when I was, you know, at the workouts and I was doing the workouts and I was, you know, at the, the open tryout. You know, I had to do, I had to run all these things. And those aren't things normally that I would run because, you know, normally Brett would just run them and I would be right there behind him or, or next to him. But mm. um, to kind of get that feel too and to get my feet wet in the sense of doing that and, you know, it made me, um, it made me kind of, I guess in a sense, like step up, I think. And I, I really wanted to step up and I wanted to, A, show people that I can do it and handle it, but also too, I wanted the best for this league and, and with getting it done and, um, you know, for, Listen, I, I'm not I'm not the best fungo hitter. <laughs> I'm not even close. <laughs> but like I, I I really wanted to hit fungos and do better for the guys and um I had to do fungos I had to hit the outfielders for the first time with fungo. Like I I've never done I've never done that. Seriously, like I've I've never done it. Like I've done ground balls for infielders and stuff and I'm not even the best at that. Um but like I, I had to do all these things and I kinda had to just you know, whether I like to do them or not, I had to kinda just grin and bear and just do it and get through it. And so uh, throwing BP was another thing that I hadn't done in previous seasons coming back from the shoulder and neck injuries or surgeries that, you know, I really, I had to do it. There, it I had no option. Nobody had any option other than it was me. I had to do it. And it wasn't, Brett would, Brett would have done it if he was here. And I know he would have. Um, but when Brett wasn't here, I had to kind of take that load and I had to kind of really just take the ball and keep throwing. And, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I learned, I learned some things about throwing BP to guys and I, I got to see a different perspective um, as a coach because, you know, when I was playing, I could see that perspective, but I couldn't see it when I was throwing BP. I was never throwing it. So for me to be able to throw BP to the guys and to see their holes and to help them work on, you know, maybe weaknesses or, or holes to endure BP and when they talk to me about what I see, that obviously was something that for me is, is it was a learning experience and something that I know is going to you know, only get better with moving forward. But, um but as a whole, like, it's just, you know, an amazing thing to be a part of. Um, all the experiences and things and the people that I met and the, and the experiences or the things that I learned about or learned from was just something that is going to help me as a, you know, uh, as a coach or, or slash, you know, manager moving forward. That's definitely, uh, you know, if it wasn't for this, I, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to do it. So there was no better place to do it than, than in Somerset, you know, even if I was a blaster. So, um <laughs> So definitely uh, very grateful for the organization to, to have the opportunity to have this series, but also to kind of, I guess, give, be given the reins uh, as far as putting the guys together, getting everything situated, and uh, and then also being the manager of the Blasters. So I definitely appreciate that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm already looking forward to getting back out there. So hopefully it's right around the corner instead of longer than we think. Yeah, look, I, uh, I, I'm i with you. <laughs> I'm open for the same thing because I – as much fun as I had during this series, also I think we could all use a, a little bit of getting back to normal next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, just from all of us here, John, congratulations! I know the Blasters didn't win the series, but uh, for you personally, a job well done putting all of this stuff together. We're also appreciative of your help. Uh, I'm appreciative of you coming on the podcast again tonight, and uh, you know, I'm sure we'll stay in touch throughout the off season. Uh, best of luck, and, uh, and and thanks again for taking some time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And um, just the, the league wouldn't have been a success if it wasn't for the guys on both squads. So, you know, a tip to the cap to all the players we had. They were 
yeah, I might have picked the guys and, you know, crunched the numbers and the rosters, but, like, as far as, like, those guys and their attitudes every every weekend, every day, um, you know, that that was a big a big reason why they're – a big part of the reasons why they might have been picked or, or selected, but also, too, like, um, how they stayed, you know, they stayed that same attitude and positiveness throughout the year, and even though the ups and downs and the questionable things we had to go through, as in, you know, as a – as as a you know a league or or as as a person you know with what's going on it was definitely the right guys so it, it definitely tipped the cap to them like I said for for what how they were and how they held their own and um, it wouldn't have been as successful without those guys so it definitely uh, I appreciate every one of them. All right, well thanks again, John, for taking the time, um, and I'm sure we'll we'll catch up again soon. Sounds good, Mark. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Princeton, located on Route 206, an all-new state-of-the-art sales and service facility that will redefine your luxury car experience. See all they have to offer, along with all the processes to assure a healthy environment at jlrprinceton.com. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance. It's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide healthcare services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with eight locations on Routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast for the final time. For at least a bit. Um, another thank you to John Hunton uh, for joining the pod uh, for the second time, uh, making him the first two-time podcast guest. So congratulations on that, John, as well. Um, a job well done. Um, again, a reminder that this is our last episode for a bit. Uh, future pop-up episodes throughout the offseason will likely not be aired on 1450 WCTC. Uh, and will probably just be released online. Uh, but stay tuned to the Somerset Patriots social media accounts uh, for more information on all of that in the weeks and months to come. In the meantime, I do want to take a second to thank everyone at 1450 WCTC uh, who has helped with this podcast. 
to Michelle Vieira, Peter Forrester, uh, to Jack Myatt, Raquel Williams, Mike McGinn, uh, Ginny Ott, Mike Cohen, and, and anyone else over there are part of that team that I might have missed. Um, of, of course, also Mike Lawrence and Dave Raish, who have helped out with all of the uh, in-game broadcasts as well. Uh, thank you all so much. Um, it's been a lot of fun putting these episodes together, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, Ever since early May, uh, we've been doing these episodes every week. And I, I really enjoyed putting it together. Uh, I hope that I was able to produce it up to 1450 WCTC standards uh, because it was certainly a lot of fun for me. Um, to all of the fans who have tuned in for each episode, um, I can't thank you guys enough as well. I mean, my hope is that you have all enjoyed listening to this as much as I have enjoyed putting it together um, from conversations that I had with Patriots legends at the beginning of the show uh, back in May. Uh, to reviewing the only professional baseball being played in the state of New Jersey on a weekly basis over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's been quite a ride, and it's been a lot of fun. And remember, this is just the end of Season 1. And I, for one, can't wait to start on Season 2 of the pod. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Uh, it really means the world. Uh, I hope that you all have a safe and healthy offseason, and I'll see you back at the ballpark in 2021. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on the voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and on WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. with the archived versions also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.